The Bible reading this morning is from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the city of David, a saviour was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favours. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which, they, uh, which were just as they had been told. Good morning. How are we doing? That's good. Uh, my name is Mike. I'm the lead pastor here. And if you are new here this morning or watching online, it is great to have you with us as we uh, continue in this little series that we've called Sing for Joy. Uh, it's a way of us joining in the kind of the longing for Christ's coming. Indeed, He has come. And uh, we sort of, uh, sort, of, uh, uh, sort of anticipate His, his coming and, and join in the longing as we look to His second coming in a way. Uh, but this, this idea of, uh, of Sing for Joy is we take, we take a carol each week and uh, we, we unpack the story behind it that we might be captivated by what the song is pointing to, who the song is pointing to, that we might sing it uh, with great vigour and joy. And so today we are singing and looking at Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Now, who has put their Christmas tree up already? Yes, me. I put it up yesterday. Because uh, it is beginning to uh, feel a little bit like Christmas. Uh, and uh, I love this particular song that we're doing today. Hark the Herald, Angels Sing, is, is kind of, it's epic. It's epic in its words. Uh, it's epic in its tune. And it's epic in who uh, it points towards, the Lord Jesus. Uh, it's such a rich song. It actually blows my mind to think how many people sing it still every year. Uh, it might be, you know, Dam Dammy Im singing it at uh, Carols by Candlelight. It might be the, the thousands that gather in churches across the world that, you know, their gift to the church is their attendance on Christmas. Uh, many, many, many across the world sing carols and the wonder of Jesus. And it blows my mind that they do so. My prayer is that the words of this song would actually captivate the hearts of those who sing it. Because what really blows my mind is the sanitized version of Christmas. 
It's so curated and clean, safe shepherds, picture-perfect stars and wise men, a lovely little stable for little baby Jesus, a good sense of cheer about it all. I mean, for crying out loud, Jesus was not Anglo, he didn't have blonde hair, and look at him, he's like, hug me. I am sure Jesus cried and wailed and pooped his nappy. Of course he did, right? Because Jesus was born into the mess of it all. And when Charles Wesley wrote the song a year after his conversion, Charles Wesley, uh, the great Puritan and the writer of 6,000 hymns, in 1738 he became a Christian, a year later he wrote a hymn for Christmas Day, which of course is this song, being retitled. The lyrics have stayed the same, the tune has changed over the years, but Charles Wesley wanted to arrest our attention. He wanted us to be drawn into the power and wonder of the real Christmas story, which is why it begins with, hark. <laughs> it's a funny word, isn't it? When was the last time you dropped that word in a sentence? Hark. You know what, Josh has already sort of dropped what it means. Uh, it kind of almost means what it sounds like. What's that, onomatopoeia? Like, hark, it's kind of like, attention, look, behold. The carol demands we look up. Listen and join the heavenly hosts declaring the glory to the newborn king. Uh, this is an oil painting from 1833 by Thomas Cole. I don't know who Thomas is, but it looks like a good picture. And so let us look into this scene uh, from Luke 2, which is where, the, the, uh, where Charles drew his inspiration from in writing this hymn. And I'm going to walk through this uh, passage, Luke 2, in three scenes. The first one, we're setting the scene, the very fields that the shepherds tended their flocks in. And so let's pick it up in verse 8, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. In the same region, that's the region where Jesus was born, shepherds were staying out in the field and keeping watch at night over their flock. Now, we've got one of those little Fisher-Price nativity scenes with a little kind of bubble head, like, you know, they're very cute and, you know, whatever, very plasticky. And the shepherds, they're so lovely. And even as we read this, we get a sense of like, ah, oh, the shepherds, they're doing their shepherd thing, it's so nice. Shepherds, it sure, was once a noble occupation, particularly as Israel moved around the desert after exile. Uh, indeed, all of Israel were shepherds in a way, tending to the flocks that kind of, that, that walked with them through the desert. But those days were long gone by the time this scene comes around. By the time we get to the first century, the rugged lifestyle of a shepherd was a menial vocation for the labouring class. It was a job for nobodies. Worse than that, they were considered scoundrels and thieves. I read that it was forbidden to buy wool, milk or a kid, not, not a child, a kid, uh, from a shepherd on the assumption it was stolen property. Uh, after all, the shepherds, they didn't own the sheep, they were kind of, they were hired hands, which is why Jesus says, I am the great shepherd, I don't run off when danger comes, because when you're a hired help, who cares about the sheep? It's just a job. And that's what we, have in, we should have in mind when we look at this scene, because there are those scoundrel shepherds, you know, trying to keep an eye open in the night, not caring too much about the sheep, just going about their menial job, 
And when a menial job kind of just goes around and around, it's pretty boring, pretty tiring. Who cares? Just a paycheck. And in the middle of that scene, suddenly, the Lord's angel appears. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. I mean, you see the shepherds, they're kind of like, they're fallen back. Because that doesn't happen ordinarily. It seems odd to me. Like the angels, full of glory with their great gospel message, kind of were going about their glorious job, but maybe took the wrong exit and ended up in some weird field. And they're ready to kind of bust out the message. They're like, who are these guys? It's like Taylor Swift on a way to a big concert, ended up appearing at a, you know, a preschool. They don't even know who Taylor is. And, uh, and away she goes singing uh, to, to no one who really cares. This is an odd scene, but I, I guess it probably didn't feel odd to the shepherds, mostly because they were terrified. They were terrified because angels don't have a habit of appearing in the night. On this occasion, they did. And the angels reply, do not be afraid. It's their standard line, actually, because everyone is terrified when they just appear. Uh, Scott Erickson, in his little Advent book uh, called Advent, uh, he says this, a message from the divine must start with, do not be afraid, because it is shattering the security you found in limited conclusions. I like that. The conclusions that the shepherds had arrived at might have been, it's just another night on the job. Or, the world just keeps spinning according to blind, pitiless fate. Or even, God only cares about worthy saints. All of those conclusions shattered All of the conclusions we make of our own estimations are shattered when the divine intervenes. And how does the divine intervene this night? With angels of glory proclaiming good news. Part two, the message. This is what we read in verse 10. The angels say, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The angels didn't just appear randomly uh, as in taking an accidental exit. They came with purpose to say to the shepherds, these nobodies, I proclaim to you the good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Saviour was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Now, we've heard that message many times, perhaps, usually about this time of year. We see it on Christmas cards. We're pretty used to it in a way. But again, I find this message pretty outrageous. There's all kinds of tensions and oddities built into it. For example, when the uh, angel says, uh, today in the city of David, now we think of kind of a glorious city, the city of King David, the greatest king of the Old Testament. But what the angels are referring to is where King David's family was born and the place where David was anointed, a place of only a couple of thousand people, not a great city in the world's eyes. They are talking about a town, a town of Bethlehem. Why are the angels appearing to nobodies, banging on about some great message that happened in some town? (laughs) But at the centre of the message, the angels say this, a saviour has been born for you, 
Last week, Cole laboured the idea of someone being born and that being great news to you, not just for the family, but it's a gift to you. It's a message about the Messiah. It's a different name for the Christ, the one that the Old Testament and all of God's people were looking for to bring deliverance. But then on the, the tail end of this message, another tension. For this Messiah, this Christ is the Lord... And this will be a sign for you, you'll find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. (laughs) The Lord is coming and you'll find Him, a baby, wrapped in some cloth lying around, shoved in an animal trough. That's crazy. What is God doing here? Well, our carol helps explain some of these things and why it is good news. In the first verse, the carol goes like this, glory to the newborn King, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. See, this Messiah, this one that the uh, Old Testament people of God were looking for, was not going to be one that would deliver them from their enemies with military strength, would not parade their power around like the politicians they were used to. Their uprising would be like nothing they had imagined. This Messiah would bring peace through mercy, through reconciling God and sinners. Joining together the nobodies, the scoundrels, the sinners, the shepherds, All of us who fall short of the glory of God, joined with God Himself through this baby, born King among them. Because Jesus was the expression of God's mercy. Why are the angels appearing to shepherds in a nobody part of the world? Why is the Lord of Lords born into an animal trough? Because Jesus is the expression of God's mercy to us sinners, who God did not treat as we deserved, but with mercy, but mildly. I always find it funny, the sort of the word mild there. When I think of mild, I think of sort of like the kind of curry I order so I don't die, right? And even then, whew, it's not kind of a weak strength version of, uh, of peace and mercy, No, it's simply stating this mildness, uh, that is, God treats us not severely. God treats us with mercy, not as we deserve. For what do we deserve? We've fallen short of the glory of God. We deserve to be separated from Him. We deserve to stand under His, His judgment, His righteousness. And yet, that's not what we celebrate at Christmas, because here is God's gift to us, His mercy, His reconciling of us to Himself. God would no longer give us what we deserve, for Jesus would take on our flesh, our sin, our death, and live and die in our place, so that God would have mercy on us, and that we would have His life, and be joined together where our sin and death had prevented such relationship before. And this is what we sing about in the third verse, light and life to all He brings, risen with healing in His wings, mild He lays His glory by, born that man 
no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. These are great lyrics that express the the great news of the gospel, the great news that the shepherds could barely understand, no doubt, the great news that Mary would hear about and it it would fill her heart, she would treasure this news. Great news that we here today, on the other side of the world, 2,000 years later, continue to celebrate because we have received these things, light and life, now and forever, risen with healing, that we would be restored from the inside out. For Jesus cast off the glory of heavens to be in the filth of us and our predicament that we might be restored and raised with Him, that we would be given second birth. This is good, good news. And this is what our God is like. This is how God reveals His very character. It's not accidental that He appeared before, the angels appeared before the shepherds. It's not accidental that Jesus would fulfill all the prophecies about being born in a small, kind of uh, obscure town in Israel. For God does His greatest work so often in our weakness, if we have eyes of faith to see Him for who He really is. And suddenly we're swept up into the third part of this story. Just as the angels share the good news that they will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger, suddenly, we read in verse 13, there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people He favours. Wow. It's like, and I want you to imagine this, and this is sort of a picture of the northern lights, it's sort of the closest I could come in a way, but you could imagine the night sky tearing open to reveal the wonders of the heavenly host. And, and sort of that language of heavenly host is otherwise best understood as an, as an army, the army of heaven, an army of angels, all proclaiming the wonder and the glory of God. And no, this isn't to suggest that heaven is a musical. Uh, I watched Spirited, because uh, it's, it's time to start binging Christmas movies, right? I didn't watch it last year, it's one with Ryan Reynolds and, uh, what's his name? Um, Will Ferrell. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, have you seen it? I, I, I recommend it. Uh, it's a great movie, uh, but it was about five minutes into the movie where I said, oh, it's a musical. Uh, it's, it's all right for those that don't like musicals, even I liked it. But there's even a scene in the movie where people enter the afterlife and find everyone singing and dancing, and even they said, oh, it's a musical, right? The point of this picture of the, of the angels and the heavenly host praising God is not fulfilling the cliche of heaven being angels with harps just singing forever. No, no, no. The point of this picture is that we would see that God ought to be glorified in everything because God is glorious. And God reveals His glory in bringing peace on earth to people He favours. To whom His favour rests. That's a funny way of putting it too, isn't it? I wonder if as you read that, you think... I wonder if God favours me. Do you think the shepherds wondered that? 
I think they would have ordinarily, except for the fact that they were blinded by the glory of God and clearly God was drawing them into His glory. And so it's important for us to go back to, for God so loved the world. He loves the whole world so much so that He sends His Son so that whoever believes would have life eternal. And that's it. Don't wonder if God's favour rests on you. Instead, look to the glory of God, the gift that He has given you, and receive it with thanks. And find life and favour and peace and blessing now and forever. Do not wonder if you are worthy. Do not wonder if God's favour rests on you. Instead, receive it. Because God is merciful and this is who our God is. Let us hark this message. Let us pay attention to it. Because in a world where iPhones are announced on global stages, kings and presidents inaugurated in pomp and fanfare, the God of the universe revealed His glory in a manger to sinners so that you would not consider yourself unworthy but so that you would respond to receive this King. Now, last week at uh, the Diwali festival on Saturday night, I was chatting with a young man, Sandeep, uh, and a Sri Lankan Christian uh, who I'd met that night. And as Sandeep recounted the story of Lord Ram, uh, who battled Raven after he kidnapped his brother and wife, he returned home the victor after that great battle and to a great welcome as lamps lit the way home. Hopefully I haven't butchered it too much, that's the way I remember Sandeep telling me what Diwali meant to him. But my friend, my Sri Lankan Christian friend, uh, as I'm trying to, you know, processing the story and trying to keep the conversation moving, my, my new Sri Lankan Christian friend said, thank you for sharing that. It's very different to the Christian message. I was like, well, I'm interested here, because often when we share our Christian message to people of a Hindu background, it sort of all gets caught up in the many gods and the, and the many stories that all point to one thing. And my friend said this, I read from John 1 this morning that the light of the world came into the world, but his own did not receive him. There was no great welcome with lamps for the great King of Kings, for the true light of the world came into the world and his own did not receive him. When we have eyes to see our own glory only, to see what we imagine is glorious, we miss the Lord of Lords, born in a manger. We miss the gift of God's mercy to us in Jesus. For as the carol said, veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Who would have imagined that the Lord of Lords would put on flesh to be one of us? Not to stand at a distance while we work ourselves out, but to join us in our predicament in our sin, in our death, in our corruption, in our failures, in our sense of unworthiness and gift upon us the title of children of God and call us home. Will we hark? Will we pay attention to this above the fanfare and ways of this world to see who God is and what He has given us? 
Will we behold and pay attention to the glory of God revealed in the Messiah, the Lord wrapped in cloth, born among us? The praise of the angels, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom His favour rests, was not just a message for angels, uh, for shepherds in a random field, in the back of some obscure town on the other side of the world 2,000 years ago, it is a message for all of us. So much so, and I found this through some random YouTubing last night, I wasn't even YouTubing for sermon prep, I was just YouTubing, I came across this fun fact that I want to share with you. Uh, the very first message that was telegraphed across the first transatlantic cable, that is, when you wanted to communicate from England to the USA, uh, you had to send a letter via a boat uh, or, or any other means, but there was no, there's certainly no internet, uh, and there was no telephone, uh, and so they sought to rectify that, because they knew the wonders of the internet was coming. Uh, in 1858, the first message went through a three and a half thousand kilometre cable. Now, when you think about laying a three and a half thousand kilometre copper wire across the Atlantic Ocean, and yes, they had some problems. It took them several times. It snapped a couple of times. They'd have to sort of dredge it up from the bottom of the floor, reconnect it, and keep on their merry way. They ran out of money several times. But on the eight, August 16th of 1858, the very first message from the Queen shot across those three and a half thousand kilometers under the ocean with this message. Glory to God in the highest. On earth, peace and goodwill toward It was only a few weeks later that as the engineers tried to turn up the voltage to get better reception, they melted the cable. <laughs> we long to join the distance, if I could stretch this metaphor, we long to join the distance to reconcile between other people, to this world, to even God Himself. And if we push the metaphor, we keep pushing in our strength, we keep dialing up the voltage, but it will not do. We cannot do it in our own strength. Instead, we must see the upside-down way of this glorious God. The movie I quoted before, Spirited, finishes with a song about these things. It says, it only takes a little good, just a little good, and some doing what you can, do what you can, taking every chance to make the choice to help your fellow man, yeah, and whether it's Christmas Day or any random day in May, or a day in May, you're going to want to say, that you tried the best you could, and a little is enough, a little is enough, a little is enough. That's the Christmas message of this world. Take a little cheer, do what you can, a little is enough, but it's not. It's not been enough. When we look at the world around us, it's not been enough. We need instead to hark, to pay attention, to listen to the angels and to the real good news. It's not in your efforts, it's not about doing right in your own strength. It is instead about receiving this King, the mercy of God, the gift of His glory. For the shepherd's joy and what Mary treasured in her heart was not what they did, but what they heard. And what they heard changed what they did. Joyful all you nations rise, join the triumph in the skies. God is victorious, God is glorious, and because of His mercy, you are invited to join the triumph. 
You are reconciled if you trust this King Jesus. So will we not just hark and pay attention and joyfully join in, but will we long for and pray for all who sing this carol this Christmas, that as they sing these wonderful words, that they would hark, that they would be captivated by the truth of the real story behind Christmas, the coming of the King, the Lord wrapped in cloth. Let us put aside the clean, simple stories of Christmas and see that like the shepherds, firstly, we aren't as important as we think we are and we really do need this gift. We need the one the angels praise. We need to treasure up the truth. A Saviour has been born for you, the Messiah, the Lord, pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark the herald, angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. Let me pray. Father, You are indeed glorious and You've revealed Your glory to us in Jesus. Whether we have trusted Him for many years or considering trusting Him, would You so captivate our hearts that we would treasure up this good news and respond to Him rightly this Christmas. Sustain us and give us not just cheer, but real joy and peace that surpasses understanding. We ask this as we participate in the triumph of the skies. In Jesus' name, Amen.